Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. How wondrous it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on this very special day. Of course, this is the third annual Christmas special. Here at the shop, you've come at a very festive time of year. Of course, the shop is decorated in all sorts of evergreen baubles, trinkets, garland, and the like. As we celebrate this holiest of seasons and the Yule, and the darker, more bizarre and unexplained sides that we who enjoy horror fantasy and science fiction love so much about this or any time of year. On this episode, we'll take a look at the start of a new horror tradition. We'll take a look at bizarre horror traditions from around the world, some of our favorite holiday tropes, as well as an old and a new holiday classic that you may want to put into rotation of your favorites to watch during this holiday season. So without further ado, welcome to the Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop Christmas Special. So it's that time of year, the Christmas season, Christmas only days away as this episode will be dropping on Thursday, uh, December 21st. Of course, Monday the 25th, Christmas Day, we will not have an episode that day. If you want to listen to this episode then, then you know what, uh, more power to you. But we hope that you spend Christmas Day with your family and friends and loved ones. And of course, that's what we're going to be doing. So no episode on Christmas Day, but uh, this Christmas special I wanted to get as close to the big day as possible because we've got lots to talk about. Christmas probably for me is, I mean, I love Christmas. I love the joy and peace and the celebration of it and all the warm and fuzzy feelings of Christmas. I'm not that jaded and that not that dark that I don't enjoy the sappy sentimentality of, uh, you know, red and green decorations and uh, cherubic-faced Santa Claus looking at me dopely. Uh, I do enjoy those things. I do enjoy Christmas carols and the holidays and that, like I said, that feeling of love and joy and peace. But, you know, I'm a fan of horror, fantasy, and science fiction, so I love all the creepy and the bizarre and the weird things that can be tied into the Christmas holiday. And I think Christmas is probably the second best holiday to Halloween to do that. And you get a lot of great Christmas horror stories out at this time of year. And of course, that all ties into the tradition, especially in the Victorian era, where they would tell ghost stories by the fire. And I'm sure it even predates that. Of course, Christmas is a time of year. The nights are longer. The solstice is, is right about this time of year. The time of year when there is the least amount of light in a day. And 
People would huddle around the fire with the darkness outside their their little hovel and everything's dead. There's snow on the ground. The trees are dead. Uh, That's why the evergreen took off this time of year because that was the only thing that was surviving. So there must be some power to it, some godlike power to keep this thing alive when everything else is dying and, and people would bring evergreens into their home, boughs of evergreen and that's where we get that tradition. But the tradition of sitting around the fire telling ghost stories and creepy tales, I mean, that that goes back a long time. And, and I think it was probably most prevalent in the Victorian era and prompted one of the greatest Christmas stories other than the birth of Jesus <laughs> known to man with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And, and so it's a, a wonderful time of year to tell creepy tales. And we've got a lot of them, new and old, to talk about in this Christmas special. And the one new one that I wanted to talk about the most, I am a huge fan of the latest iteration of Creep Show, the one Greg Nicotero is doing on Shudder. They've done a couple specials. They've done a Halloween special in years past. They've done a Christmas special in years past, but I was super excited when they decided to take the Creep Show uh, as a supplement to the TV series on Shudder. They started doing a comic book of Creep Show, kind of akin to all those old great EC comics back in the day. They came out with volume two of this this year, the Creepshow comic book. I've read almost all the comics. I've got one more that's come out this month I haven't read yet. And then we've got one coming out in January, issue five of volume two. And as soon as all of the volumes are out and I've had a chance to read all of them, I'm going to do an episode where I review volume two as as a whole. But in addition to volume to the Creepshow comic did something this year that I hope becomes a yearly tradition. And I, I think that's what they're planning on doing. They came out with a Christmas special. It's uh, an issue of the Creepshow comic that features two holiday Christmas stories in classic Creepshow fashion. And I got to read this here uh, a week or two ago. I can't remember exactly when. But I, I absolutely love what they did with this. Uh, the cover of this is so great. It's got the creep busting through a Christmas tree, and it just reeks of the holidays. It reeks of the horror, and and I really enjoyed that. Now, the first story in this, The Christmas Man, of course, written by Daniel Krause. Jonathan Wayshack is the artist. Uh, I, I really dug this story. This was a creepy tale, and I, I really liked the art in it. The art was very whimsical and exaggerated, but when you get to the terror of it all, It really worked from a scary, creepy standpoint. But it is kind of one of those uh, morality tales. Uh, You know, when you're a little kid and you believe in Santa Claus and you believe in all the the magic of Christmas and your older siblings and your older cousins try to come along and just wreck it all for you. It is certainly a cautionary tale about not messing with your younger siblings and younger cousins. And it also introduces a new character to the litany of creatures. Uh, And we're going to be talking about some of those creatures in, in other 
parts of the world around the holiday season, but it introduces a, a new bit of Christmas terror in the form of the Christmas man who exacts a horrific revenge if your Christmas stockings aren't there to warm his cold monster feet. And I love the look uh, of this creature. The creature designed really cool. It almost has a, a Krampus meets Wendigo kind of vibe to it. Very good story. Very cool story. The second story in the issue is called Package Thieves. Of course, that is written by uh, James Asmus, the the artist Letizia Catanici. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. But uh, this was also a really cool and a very chilling story. I could, I mean, I could see both of these being a addition to like an anthology series, uh, whether it be Creep Show or something else. I could see live action adaptations of these comic stories because this one, Package Thieves, actually really hits close to home and is about these two women who are those people that go around and porch pirate stealing packages that are being delivered to people, especially around the holiday season, reselling all the merchandise. And one of them seems a little more reluctant than the other, but I really dug like this dark shadowy figure kind of lurking around and, and the packages that they receive at the end have, uh, surprising uh, but maybe not so surprising uh, gifts inside of them and the fate of of one of these two women was just uh, a horrific fate and like I said something I could really see in a live action adaptation that would just be gruesome and brutal and very chilling and again a very good cautionary tale towards anybody that would take it upon themselves to steal somebody else's gift during the holiday season. I really dug this little two-story episode, this two-story issue of the Creep Show holiday special. Hopefully they do another one of these next year because it really is a, a very cool little, and it's not much. Like I said, it's just two stories in one issue, but it added something very cool and grim and horrific to my holidays, which, like I said, I love all the all the happiness and joy of Christmas, all the heartfelt feels that you get around this time of year with the carols of singing and whatnot. But I also love something gruesome and, and grim tales like this uh, around the holidays. Like I said, you can't get much better in a cautionary tale than setting it around Christmas and setting it in a horror story style. So really happy that Creepshow and Greg Nicotero and the gang put out this uh, one, the comic series in general, but but especially this year doing the uh, the Christmas special, the Christmas issue of Creepshow, the comic, was a really fun surprise. I, I was not expecting it. I had not heard much about it, and I'm really glad that they did it. Which kind of got me thinking about different horror tropes, because one of the things I was really happy about this holiday special with Creepshow the comic, this issue that they put out, is that it didn't really delve into like the traditional holiday tropes that you get with uh, Christmas horror or Christmas fantasy or Christmas science fiction. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of Christmas science fiction out there. I've been re-watching the 1985-86 revival of the twilight zone and they actually do have a really cool sci-fi christmas 
episode in that. It's not even an episode because they broke up at least the first couple seasons. They broke up each episode into two, sometimes three different small stories. But there is a really cool one in there, which I'll maybe talk about that on next year's Christmas special. But yeah, not a lot of sci-fi Christmas specials out there. A lot of horror, a little bit of fantasy. But one of the things I thought about is that, you know, this special from Creepshow didn't have a psychotic killer Santa. And that seems to be one of the main tropes. I kind of was thinking about some of the tropes with holiday, especially holiday horror. I guess you can say fantasy in there a little bit as well. But uh, it got me to thinking about some of the big holiday horror tropes. You can't get much bigger than the Psycho Santa. I mean, there are so many out there from the Tales from the Crypt movie, the All Through the House segment of that with uh, Joan Collins, Silent Night, Deadly Night, all Through the House, Christmas Evil, Christmas Bloody Christmas, one of the newer ones, Santa Claus <laughs> turning into a raging, psychopathic, axe-wielding killer is probably one of the biggest holiday tropes. Now, there's a new trope out there that is getting a lot of play these days. Uh, that's the Krampus trope. It seems like every time you turn around there for a stretch, it was Krampus this, Krampus that. And I love Krampus. I love the idea of Krampus. I think there's a lot of... Uh, uh, embracing of Krampus these days. And I think there are some really good movies out there involving Krampus. There are also some really not so good movies. But Krampus, the what was that, the 2015 movie? Probably for me, hands down, the best Krampus movie out there. I think the inclusion of Krampus in a Christmas horror story is done really well. And it's a different take on Krampus. Usually, like in the, the movie Krampus, you know, he's decked out as almost like this beast-like Santa Claus, where in a Christmas horror story, he's more slender and muscular and in all like white skin and fur. A, a very different take. Now, there are tons of other ones. Uh, Krampus, The Christmas Devil. I believe there's a sequel to that. There's some there's some not-so-good Krampus movies out there. But Krampus was one of the, the other big tropes that uh, I found you get a lot of, especially in the last 20 years during the holiday season. And, of course, Christmas Creatures. I, I found that to be a not often enough utilized trope in Christmas horror or Christmas genre. Of course, Gremlins, I think, is probably one of the best ones. The Chris Columbus film directed by Joe Dante. It adds such a great combination of the holiday season and all the different aspects of the holiday season. You know, the fun, getting presents aspect of it. The sadder uh, realization that some people are depressed during the holiday season. And then you add little cute creatures that turn into little monsters monstrous creatures on top of that and and a lot of fun as well like i've i've said before that scene where the gremlins are caroling outside of mrs deagle's house it's just one of my favorite scenes in a uh, holiday horror movie but also like elves on netflix there's a really good series called elves if you haven't seen it it's from uh, i can't remember which scandinavian country but it it really is good. It's really disappointing that they didn't do a second season of that. Netflix are the big Grinches and Scrooges of the streaming world that, that tantalize you with something good and something cool and then pull the rug right out from under you and say, nope, 
we're going to cancel it. So, but, but you can really have a good season of elves that kind of delves into Christmas creatures. And then there's a newer movie out that we just talked about on Monday's episode called A Creature Was Stirring, which I actually really enjoyed it as a, a holiday creature feature. And while it is a different style of creature feature, and listen to the podcast episode. If you haven't watched it, go watch A Creature Was Stirring and then listen to the podcast because I get into some spoilers and some some real deep territory with this movie. But it's different. It's definitely different. It's a creature feature, but not what you're expecting of your typical creature features when it comes to, to holiday horror. But I was really kind of surprised that there, there really are only a few main tropes when it comes to to holiday horror uh we don't get as much fantasy i mean i suppose in some regards you have some fantasy out there but it's more involving like santa claus that sort of fantasy we kind of talked about this on some of my favorite my top what was it, my top 10 favorite uh holiday specials this time of year and but i would like to see some more fantasy like traditional dnd style fantasy that revolves around Christmas in a way. You can do it. I think, I mean, if He-Man can have a freaking holiday special, you can do some sort of Dungeons and Dragons-y Christmas. It doesn't have to be Santa Claus. It doesn't have to be Baby Jesus in a manger. But you could do some sort of, like, traditional swords and sorcery uh, holiday fantasy. I think that would be really cool. Uh, science fiction is the same thing. I mean, you do, like, Doctor Who has, but Doctor Who is just such a... Geez, the continuity and everything is all topsy-turvy with them right now where they're doing the whole thing with the doctors splitting in two and all that nonsense. I have never been into Doctor Who. I've been aware of it over the decades, but it's just never been my thing. And so Doctor Who doing a holiday special doesn't do anything for me. And when that's really one of the few examples of holiday science fiction... Uh, you know, I feel like I'm wanting. I feel like I'm left out uh, as a sci-fi fan, as long as well as horror and fantasy. Uh, I feel like I need more in the way of of Christmas movies and Christmas specials and Christmas episodes uh, that delve into science fiction a little bit more. So hopefully, in 2024, not only will we get a glut of more holiday specials uh, when it comes to horror holidays. Uh, but we'll also get some leaning into fantasy and science fiction. I think those are two underutilized genres when it comes to creating movies and series for the holidays that are centered in those two genres. Now, every year I like to talk about uh, some movies, uh, sometimes more movies than others, but uh, some movies that I enjoy watching that maybe aren't new, but they've been around a while and are really a joy to watch during the holiday season. And I watched a couple movies this year. Uh, one I'd seen before many years in the past, but it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I rewatched it. One is a movie I haven't watched at all, and that is 2017's uh, British Christmas zombie musical comedy, Anna and the Apocalypse. I've always wanted to watch this movie, and, and I got my wife to watch it. We both watched the trailer earlier this year, and we both I thought it looked interesting. Uh, she's not a huge horror fan, but she loves musicals. So <laughs> she uh, she was going to be on board with me. So we waited until the holiday season to watch this. And we watched it not long ago. And End of the Apocalypse, it's one of those movies where 
my wife and I like two different things. I like horror. She likes rom-coms and musicals and stuff like that. And usually those two don't mix. But this movie mixed them so well that we both ended up really enjoying it. It had the zombie horror and the guts and the gore and the blood and the mayhem of a, a zombie movie that I'm looking for. It had all of the the music and the the fun and the rom-com-esque joy that my wife likes in a movie. And as the music is going, she's like, you're hating this, aren't you? I was like, no, I'm actually enjoying it. The songs were catchy. The songs were fun. I was expecting more Christmas in the songs, but there was Christmas all around. It was very centered on the holiday of Christmas. And, and of course, she didn't mind the blood and guts and gore because she knew sooner or later somebody was going to break out into a song. And it was just a fun ride and, and very well acted. And there were some of the actors, like the guy that plays the dad, like uh, an older gentleman, you know, he's probably he's probably closer to my age than I realize, and I'm calling him an older gentleman. But the the dad to Anna's character, uh, like this guy has an amazing voice, and it had so many fun aspects and so much uh, maybe not traditional horror, but comedic horror. I liken this to being Shaun of the Dead meets Glee wrapped in uh, Christmas tinsel. And this is definitely a movie that I may not watch it every year. I may not watch it every other year, but I am going to throw this in, whether my wife will watch it with me or not. Uh, it's hard to tie her down to watching a movie, but uh, I will throw this movie in and enjoy it, you know, every couple, two, three, four years, because I enjoyed this so much. It was a very fun ride. It was bleak and dismal, and it had such a downer yet hopeful ending that you would expect from a zombie film. Uh, you're not expecting it from a Christmas movie, not to mention a, a musical, but it was a very enjoyable ride all the way around. So if you haven't checked out Anna and the Apocalypse from 2017, do it because I think you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it if you let yourself. If you're one of these people, I, I only watch serious horror films with blood and guts and gore and and I don't want to hear music and all this nonsense. Uh, you're not gonna enjoy it. Uh, you need to get over yourself and just learn to live life and love life and enjoy the little things. But if you allow yourself to enjoy this movie. Uh, as a horror fan, uh, I think you will enjoy it. it. It'll be fun. And it is a good gateway horror film. I mean, if you've got a, a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other or a sibling or a family member, whoever doesn't like horror but likes more like rom-com stuff and musicals and glee and shit like that, uh, this is a great way to get them into, okay, maybe horror is not so bad. Uh, that blood and guts, that didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Uh, this is, I think, a, a pretty good gateway holiday horror film. Now, the other film that uh, I hadn't watched in a long time, but uh, re-watched it here recently, was the David Hess film, To All a Good Night, from 1980. Now, of course, if you're not familiar with David Hess, I mean, you've seen him. He's done a lot of acting. He was in Last House on the Left. He was in Swamp Thing. He played Ferret in Swamp Thing. Did a lot of television. Was in Beretta. He was a he was in an episode of Manimal, one of my favorite shows from the eighties. He did an episode of the A Team. Uh, this guy's been around, but uh, more as an actor 
than a director. I mean, he's done a, a little bit of directing. And one of those was 1980s To All a Good Night, which is playing into one of those tropes of horror that I talked about for the holidays, the Psycho Santa Claus, where you have this group of girls at a finishing school. They invite some boys over during the holiday break. Somebody dressed as a Santa Claus starts killing people. And it is kind of one of those early slasher films that, uh, well, I don't think it gets as much play as Black Christmas. I mean, Black Christmas was like six years prior, so it's not going to get the recognition, but it is one of those early slasher films. I mean, this movie predates Friday the 13th. This was uh, released in January of 1980. Friday the 13th, I believe, was released in May of 1980. So this precedes Friday the 13th by a few months. And, and I found it very interesting, the fact that it did predate, because both of these movies have, and this is a spoiler if you haven't watched To All a Good Night, this is definitely a spoiler, but uh, both movies have a very similar villain in it, and that it is a vengeful mother who is the killer. And I, I found it funny. You could almost say that one copied the other, but they came out so close, uh, only a few months apart, that they couldn't have copied one another. It's just that they both had a very similar idea. Victor Miller in writing Friday the 13th and Alex Rebar, who wrote uh, To All a Good Night. It's very similar to A Nightmare on Elm Street and Twisted Sisters' Street Justice song. It kind of comes after the Captain Howdy song. Uh, they're about uh, somebody who does things to kids, molests and kills kids, and there is a trial that the, the killer gets off on a technicality and the parents of, of these kids that this, this killer has affected take revenge and burn the guy to death. I mean, that is what happens to Freddy Krueger in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And those two things, that song and that movie came out so close together that one couldn't have copied the other. They just both had a very similar idea, Wes Craven and uh, Dee Snyder and Twisted Sister, that it's just uncanny how, how close they were in coming out and how close their ideas matched the other. And, and I think you get that with To All a Good Night and Friday the 13th. And, and while this isn't a great movie, uh, this is, though, a, a fun kind of cheesy uh, not campy, but it, it's it's horribly acted and maybe horribly written and maybe horribly directed and edited. I mean, there are some things where like, okay, they were here and now they're over here. How, how did that happen so fast? I mean, it's not a great movie, maybe not even a good movie, but when it comes to holiday Santa slashers, uh, To All a Good Night is kind of fun to throw on when you're having maybe a party, you're having your friends over, you're doing a little drinking, uh, throw on To All a Good Night and you'll get some, some screams and some laughs and it, it'll be a good time. Now, I talked about this earlier. The one thing that we're going to wrap up this Christmas special uh, here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop with something that I've been wanting to do for a while now and I didn't get to do it as exhaustively as I, I wanted to, but I thought, okay, I've left some things to talk about in Christmas specials to come. So uh, I wanted to talk about some tr Christmas traditions from around the world. Of course, Santa Claus, the biggest 
of all Christmas traditions, especially when it comes to supernatural beings and or creatures. Krampus is getting a lot of play, like I said, over the past 20 years. Krampus and Krampus Knocked is becoming almost an institution, uh, maybe not on Santa Claus's level, but it's gaining ground. And a lot of people, especially fans of horror and fantasy and science fiction, fans of genre, fans of the, the dark and the macabre and the creepy, are starting to embrace Krampus more. But there are a lot of other really cool creatures uh, around Christmas time. Some of them dark and disturbing. Some of them a little more lighthearted, but still, in a way, very dark and disturbing. And the first one we're going to talk about is one that it, it is fun, but it has such a weird concept to it that I, you know, it, it can't help but come across a little bit creepy. And that is the tradition from South Wales with the Mary Lloyd or Mary Lewid, depending on who you're talking to and where they're from as to how they'll pronounce that. But this really became, it was a wassling tradition uh, around Christmas time involving people. Sometimes it's people dressed up with, you know, like in a sackcloth and this horse's head or this horse's skull on their head and usually it's adorned with ornaments usually there's some sort of uh, ornament in the eyes and there's ribbons draped on it sometimes it's people actually dressing up and using that as a mask sometimes it is the horse skull like i said adorned with the ribbons and the ornaments in the eyes on a pole with a sackcloth draped over it and there's somebody under it holding the pole uh, it, it depends on you know who you're asking and who who's actually doing the celebrating as to actually how they'll pull this off. But the Mary Lloyd is sometimes referring to the actual creature with the, the horse skull, or, or sometimes it is just the act of doing this that's referred to as that. But you have a group of people. Uh, sometimes it is just one horse skull on a pole that they're following around. Like I said, in, in more modern times, I think more people are trying to dress up as the Marloid and they go around to houses and they knock on the door and there's like a call and response uh, of song as the the people of the Mari Lloyd group are, are trying to get in to feast and drink. The people in the house are trying to come up with excuses to, to keep them away that they shouldn't come in. But ultimately, the householder relents and invites everyone in where there's, there's food and there's drink and there's laughter and there's singing. And it really is like a cool, fun tradition. But just that imagery of this horse skull on a pole and it looks like a tall menacing creature with a sackcloth draped over it and it really is disturbing to look at. Now there's a lot of speculation as to where this tradition came from. A lot of people believe it is a solely a Christmas tradition, a Christian tradition for, for some reason. Uh, they attribute it to the the Mari being the Marian and talking about the Virgin Mary, although uh, Marloid or Luid or however you want to pronounce it, I've heard both means gray mare. Uh, so it, it may have more to do with the horse than the Virgin Mary. But there's also some that say this is coming from pagan traditions like the Feast of Samhain and, and it relating to death. A lot of scholars are saying that's not necessarily the case. Uh, some say the, it's a symbol of fertility, uh, like I said, tying it to the Virgin Mary. 
But this, I, I think uh, a lot of people are really uh, coming to understand that this is just a tradition based out of England and especially out of South Wales and that tradition of wassailing and however you want to look at it. I think it's a fun tradition, albeit still a very creepy ass tradition. Now, some of these other traditions in other countries get kind of dark. In France, they have the Hans Trop character. Now, this is the Christmas cannibal, disguises himself as a scarecrow to lure in children. And it's based on a tale. Now, this tale goes that Hans Trop gained all his wealth through satanic worship and the occult. He was found out and banished by the church to the woods near Germany on the uh, the France-Germany border where he lived in solitude. In this solitude, he grew to hate the church, hate the villagers who, who ostracized him. And in his insanity and his growing taste for human flesh, he decided to take revenge by killing and roasting a village boy. And before he went to take the first bite of this this roast boy, uh, God struck him down with a lightning bolt from heaven, killing him. But the tradition is that his spirit lives on and walks the earth. And of course, Hans Trapp is kind of used as that uh, cautionary tale of be good or kind of like the boogeyman, the Christmas boogeyman, uh, be good or Hans Trapp is going to come and eat you. Now, this character, Hans Trapp, is actually based on somebody from history. I can't remember if it was the 1400s or the 1500s. There was a Hans von Trotha who was a, a rich man. There was a border dispute. Uh, one of the castles he owned were saying that it wasn't his and it was more of a greed thing and him being ostracized because of this border dispute he wasn't into satanism he didn't eat kids but that oral history being passed down how he turned uh, from just a greedy man to a man who uh, coveted your children and wanted to roast them over a fire uh, as a way of revenge was it's, it's kind of interesting how it's almost like that old game of telephone how how stories morph like that, but it is a very disturbing holiday tradition in France. Speaking of weird holiday traditions, this is probably one of the ones that interested me the most. It's the Yule Cat from Iceland. Of course, the Yule Cat prowls looking for those who have not received new clothes by Christmas to eat them. Now, the funny thing is Iceland does not have a history of large predatory cats like panthers or pumas or tigers or anything like that. But they do have uh, cats are more popular in, in Iceland than dogs, to the point where I believe dogs were banned in, I think, the early 1900s, 1920-something, uh, it seems to me. Uh, I don't think they're still banned, but at one point, dogs were, were banned in Iceland. So, yeah, Iceland, more, more cat people. So it makes sense that this predatory Christmas animal would be a cat. But the most modern take and, and the most glowing if you'll pardon the pun, example of what Icelanders think of, of the Yule Cat and how they perceive the Yule Cat comes from a poem that was, I mean, it was first published in the 1930s. Uh, there has been an English translation of it uh, more recently, I think in 2015 it was translated, but it goes like this. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws on his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail, 
He jumped and clawed and he hissed, sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow in every home. People shuddered at his name if people heard a pitiful meow. Something evil would soon happen. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. And I just, I found that interesting because like so much of what we think of Santa Claus, what became the Coca-Cola Santa Claus is based on poems uh, like Twas the Night Before Christmas and, and things of that nature. And it's really kind of cool to see a parallel and an Icelandic Christmas figure, even though this is a Christmas figure that takes the form of a large cat that'll eat you if you don't have new clothes by Christmas. But how that kind of, that imagery derived, I mean, it's probably an ancient story in Iceland, but the modern take, the the take people uh, mostly associate with this creature is from a poem. And I liked how this Yule cat delves into other Icelandic Christmas tradition. Of course, uh, the Yule cat is the pet of trolls called the Yule lads, which is big in Iceland. They have no tradition of Santa Claus in their past, but the Yule lads, I mean, they became more like Santa looking. They're wearing red with white fur and hats, uh, but that's more of a 20th century thing. Back in the day, the Yule lads were used to scare kids into obedience. Uh, they would come down out of the hills and take kids kids off that weren't good, a practice and a tradition that was outlawed in 1746 because it caused such a panic uh, to, to kids and people. But the Yule Cat is the pet of the Yule Lads, and the Yule Lads' mother is Gryla, uh, again, another holiday Icelandic creature that we'll talk about on a show in the future, a Christmas uh, show in the future. But the tie to new clothes was the fact that in Iceland, wool is a huge part of their economy, wool and textiles, and as one of their huge exports. And the daily chores revolved around wool and separating wool and weaving and spinning wool. And if everybody did their work and, and the jobs were all done by the end of the year, you had new clothes. If you didn't do any work, if you didn't, you slacked off and the work wasn't completed, you didn't get new clothes because you didn't have new clothes because you didn't get the job done. And it again, a, a cautionary tale for especially kids that if you don't do your work and don't get the new clothes that, that you would get after doing all your work by the end of the year, uh, if you don't have those new clothes, the Yule Cat's going to come and eat you. And believe you me, the prospect of being eaten by a giant cat peering in your upstairs window uh that's a that's a frightening prospect now this final christmas tradition uh probably one of the darker more grim i mean it still is based in a, a cautionary tale uh which you get a lot of that from christmas traditions most christmas traditions are based around scaring the shit out of kids into to being good here in the united states santa won't come and bring you a gift in other places like germany and austria Frau Percha will come and slice you open. Uh, of course, Frau Percha, it depends on what story you're looking at or, or even what aspect of the story because Frau Percha can be either a, a beautiful woman or an old hag, but she's known as the Christmas witch. Uh, sort of based on the Germanic goddess Holda, but she appears during the 12 days of Christmas, between the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany. One interesting detail that, I, I don't know, it really doesn't have anything to do with the story that I'm aware of, but uh, it's just an odd kind of detail that is the fact that she has one large 
foot, one foot larger than the other. It's called a goose foot or a swan foot. And I know that a lot of scholars believe that has to do with the idea that she can maybe shapeshift into an animal. But uh, Frau Percha would roam the countryside, like I said, between the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany, looking to see if children had behaved and not been lazy all year. If they had been good and they'd worked hard and they haven't been lazy, uh, she would leave a silver coin under a pail or in a shoe, someplace where the child could find it. But if the child had been disobedient and had been lazy, she would slit open their stomach and take out the guts and replace it with straw and pebbles. The same fate would happen to those who ate anything but the favorite food of Frau Percha, uh, fish and gruel on the night of her feast day. So if you didn't eat the right food, uh, you would also get your belly slid open, your stomach and guts taken out, and have it replaced by straw and pebbles. Which to me, one of the darker cautionary tales out there to get kids to be good. I mean, with Belschnickel, which I, I like how Belschnickel, I believe Belschnickel and the Yule Cat are a part of the Christmas Chronicles 2 on Netflix. I think they're part of the uh, antagonist group on that. But uh, Belschnickel, uh, you know, you might get whacked with some reeds. Krampus, you're going to get the shit beat out of you with some reeds and uh, be stuffed in a sack and God knows where he's going to take you. Santa Claus, worst thing, you'd get a lump of coal in your stocking. But like some of these other ones, like the Yule Cat, you'll get eaten by a large cat if you disobey. If you, uh, in Germany and Austria, you'll get your belly slit open if you were bad. Hans Trapp might eat you uh, if, you're, if you're bad in France. It's just uh, some of these... These Christmas traditions of of these creatures just just to keep kids from misbehaving. Man, they went hardcore. For kids growing up these days, you think you've got it bad if you think your parents have traumatized you. Uh, try, try growing up in some of the times when these were the prevailing stories to keep you in line and, uh, ooh, you're getting off late, Junior. But I think that's one of the one of the cool things. If you're a fan of horror and fantasy and science fiction, you know some of these stories are just fascinating to listen to. And I really wish some of these creatures and characters. I wish they would put them into more movies around the Christmas time because I think there's a lot more out there. And this kind of ties back into the fact that in holiday horror movies, they they really don't delve into. You know, only a certain thing, Psycho Santas, you do get some creatures, you do get some Krampus, but there are so many other great holiday creatures out there in the vein of Krampus that you could get some really cool horror out of it. Uh, the Yule Cat, Frau Percha, uh, you know, all of these would really be cool to see on the big screen or the small screen, what have you. Uh, I, I think it would be a great way to help broaden the, the horizon of holiday horror and holiday fantasy and science fiction uh, at the same time introducing some new characters. Kind of like how the Creepshow holiday issue introduced uh, the Christmas Man as a new holiday creature. I don't know if we'll ever see this creature again, but I'd like to think so. I, I hope so, because it, it would be cool to, to delve a little more into the mythology of this creature that we got to see on the printed page. And that really is what is fun about the holiday season, is not only the presents and the bright lights and the tinsel and the carols and stories of baby Jesus and 
and all of the the heartfelt warmth and goodness of humanity, the peace and joy on earth that we get around the holidays time. It's a shame we don't get more of that throughout the whole year. But you've got these these wonderful tales of horror that usually are wrapped up in some sort of morality or uh, some sort of cautionary tale. I know I've used that term a lot in this episode that show us that, you know, we should be better around the holiday season. And I think a lot of, of horror really dives into the fact that, you know, there are consequences for being a horrible person and that we should be better, better for ourselves, better for our loved ones, better for the world at large all year long. Kind of like the Scrooge thing, you know, after he was visited by all those ghosts, he kept the spirit of Christmas in his heart, not only at Christmas time, but all year round. And I think horror holiday stories should really impart that message. And I think a lot of the traditions and I think a lot of the movies like Krampus, I think is a good example of imparting that, you know, we shouldn't be horrible to each other around the holidays, but we shouldn't be horrible to each other all year round either. And I think that's what I love about horror, fantasy, and science fiction when we get holiday adaptations of those. Get in the feels from all the joy and peace and and the the sappiness of the holidays is great. But that notion that, you know what, I better be a better person if I don't want some horrible fate to befall me. And that gives me another warm feeling. More like a fire under my ass, but a warm feeling altogether. So I want to thank everyone for listening to the third annual Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop Christmas special. We've got one more episode in the year to to take place. Of course, uh, we're dropping this on Thursday, the 21st. We're taking Christmas Day off so we can enjoy the time with our loved ones. We hope you enjoy the time with your loved ones. If if you don't have anybody to, to spend your, your holiday with, I, I know how it feels. I've been there. Uh, go check out some of our previous episodes and and spend the holiday with yours truly. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, may my, I may not be the best person to hang out with on Christmas Day, but, uh, but at least I'm someone. And if you're listening to this, uh, you probably enjoy the same things I do, like horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And at the very least, you have somebody like me to talk about all the cool stuff that we both love. But uh, no episode on Christmas Day, and then we are going to have our year-end special coming up on Thursday the 28th, and of course, uh, New Year's Day on Monday. No episode there again. Enjoy that with anyone that, uh, that you feel like you want to spend the first day of the new year with. I'm going to do it with my wife. And again, if you, you've got nobody, you've got me. You can go check out some of our other uh, holiday episodes or some of our other episodes in general. Just get caught up on uh, hearing my thoughts on the movies that uh, you missed out on throughout the year. But uh, we are going to have that year-end special. We're going to talk about all the best and the worst of 2023 uh, coming up on December the 28th. So be listening to that. And then we're going to get ready for a new year Uh, full of horror, fantasy, and science fiction, which I can't wait for. So I want to thank everyone for listening to our Christmas special. You can find out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our social media pages. Facebook and Instagram are always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction and our latest episodes and all the things going on with the podcast. Uh, No matter where you're listening to this podcast, follow, like, subscribe to it. Uh, Leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome. But no matter what you do, Please help us grow our numbers here 
at the end of the year as we head into 2024. And you can do that by simply sharing our podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And uh, until next time, thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.